You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 98. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. Today, we are going to talk about why less is really so much more when it comes to PMOs. And if that's the case, what do you do to provide value in your organization? We'll look at some of the common mistakes that PMO leaders are making when they really try to deliver valuable services and capabilities in their organization, where it goes wrong, and what you need to do to make sure you don't make any of these mistakes. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, The Game-Changing Steps to Get You from Zero to Impact with Your PMO in 90 Days. Whether this is your first PMO, your fifth PMO, you're trying to up-level your PMO, or you're trying to get your PMO back on track, you want to ensure that your PMO is as high impact as possible and as quickly as possible. The patience of our stakeholders is probably thinner than it's ever been. And so you don't have months and months or years to get PMO capability that's not just available to people, but actually accelerating getting to that return on investment. If you need to build or up-level your PMO capability, this is the perfect training for you. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. Can't wait to see you there. Okay, let's dive in. Now I know how tempting it can be. You're starting a PMO for the first time or even trying to up-level your PMO capability. Or maybe you've been asked to deliver a PMO for the first time in this organization, but you've done it tons of times before. And you're trying to deliver even more value and more services to your organization. And by the way, I am super proud of you. Congratulations on getting that chance to really make an impact in your organization. And as you're going about defining what services your PMO should have, you might be wondering where to start, or you might realize that where you've started doesn't seem to be yielding the results, the kudos, and the congratulations that you expected. Here's the thing. If you start in the wrong place, you might end up spending a lot of time on services that don't matter. And that just puts you in a bad place with your stakeholders and business leaders because they needed results yesterday and you've got nothing to show for all this time and supposed energy and budget and whatever else it is that you've been doing over there. Does that sound a little bit like something you may have heard from a few stakeholders? See, you might find yourself quickly losing credibility with your business leaders and stakeholders if they're busy wondering if you're ever going to do anything that they can actually use. I know I can almost hear you. Oh, wait, I know you're saying, I delivered 15 new templates and I rolled out this awesome tool. I cannot wait to show you. It's got so many cool features. And I even implemented two different methodologies. I've got plenty to show. I figured out exactly what they needed, where I saw the flaws, 
what I did at my last job that I know will work here too. And then I spent months and months putting things in place. How can you say I haven't done anything? And how can you say they won't use any of it? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Do your business leaders think it was actually a lot of value or is this just your opinion and your perspective? While you were busy for months and months building all the templates and tools and process, your business was still running around you. Projects were still happening all around you. Business leaders were finding workarounds for their own automations or tools. Executives were getting frustrated that they hired you and still don't have anything to show for all this time months later. They don't see any projects improving. By the way, about 15 seconds after you start the job, that's when they're going to say, great, you're here. Where are my results? Like now, like right now. So if that's the case, how can you know what to focus on and how you can show that you're bringing more value to the table without bringing more stuff to the table. Okay, let's go back to that whole thing I said about stakeholders and business leaders needing results yesterday and them wondering when you're going to show them any real value. Yeah, that's right. They don't care about any of the things we think are the necessities for PMO services and capabilities. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't need those things. You do need templates and tools and process at the right time. But what I am saying is that you may not want to focus on those things first. And that's a common path PMO leaders take. And one that I can tell you will get you in a lot of trouble. You see, while you've spent the months and months busy creating a lot of stuff, The business, like I said, was going on around you. In that time, a major program took a detour and is now going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget. The marketing department signed that contract for that new project management tool that they think is going to be just fine for meeting all of your PMO requirements over across the organization. When you know darn well that it's barely a task management tool, not a project management tool, Forget about being able to put together dependencies between tasks. It's not a resource management tool. There's no way you can show how busy your people really are. And it's certainly not a project portfolio management solution that's going to let you look at the entire portfolio of projects across the organization. And also, while you were busy looking in the other direction, the business leaders had an annual budget planning meeting and decided the PMO didn't need any funding because nothing had been delivered yet. Well, what have they done with the funding we already gave them? Let's just wait and see what happens before we give them any more funding. Oh, and by the way, you know those secret pet projects happening all over the organization? Ten new ones were initiated in various parts of the organization because no one was looking at the overall portfolio, and there wasn't any kind of an intake or review process to evaluate which projects should get those funding. It's the wild, wild west out there. Oh, and three of your subject matter experts quit because they were all sick and tired of being overworked, saw no end in sight, and no one taking off any of the load that has been burdening them for years. And on top of all of that, your boss asked you to give him a status update for the fourth time, and you can tell her patience is starting to wear pretty thin. And all of that happened while you spent months and months building stuff that may or may not actually help your organization get a higher return on investment for their strategy. 
Wait, okay, pause here. You didn't realize that was the goal? Of course it is. The main job of the PMO is to create ROI, return on investment, for every project under the PMO's purview. That doesn't just mean the projects that you manage, but the ones happening in the organization that you can influence, support, provide guidance for, or at least just get onto a single spreadsheet so everyone knows what projects are actually happening. So if you don't want to think about it in terms of ROI, or if you've been told, oh, we don't measure ROI here, by the way, go talk to your executives. They do. They really do. No matter the type of your organization. We can think of it in simpler terms. How is your PMO helping the organization make sure that every investment that is made to create change, to better serve their clients, is worth doing in the first place? And how do you, and how does your PMO, maximize that worth it factor? That's your goal. So if you think about return for the investment, that means we need to maximize value created and minimize cost. I'm going to go into much more about this next week when we talk about why it's so important to measure PMO value. But for now, I just want you to remember, you must look at what you are adding to the picture and if adding is really the right way to go. Let's walk through a few of the common mistakes that I see PMO leaders making, whether it's the first time they're starting a PMO or the 10th time, and why these mistakes are so dangerous to your PMO success and your own professional credibility, and what to do instead for better high-impact results. Mistake number one, starting where you think you should start and... Your stakeholders don't get it, don't want it, and don't think they need it. Now, I know there's going to come a point in time where you've got to put some discipline in place. I hear you, totally. And you will need to create some templates, tools, and process. Absolutely. However, if you start with that first and give them the stuff that they need, quote unquote, based on our opinion, before you give them the stuff that they want, you might get a lot more resistance and have much more of an uphill battle than you really want when you're starting out. Now, you've created a lot of stuff that they don't want, and they may not give you a chance to create what they need later, like all that templates and process stuff that could actually help them along the way. So instead, I think it's really important that when we look at what the organization needs, we generally wanna put that secondary to addressing what they want. Remember all those examples I gave of projects getting off track and resources leaving and pet projects that are popping up all over the place? Those are probably things your business leaders, your stakeholders know are happening. And the ones that invited you there to solve those problems want those problems solved first. So here's what I'd like you to think about. Absolutely, there are some really good tools and process and structure that you could put in place to solve the underlying root cause of a lot of those problems I mentioned before. But is there something you can do first that is easy to see, maybe we call it a low-hanging fruit or a quick win, 
But I don't mean a quick win as in like put a Band-Aid on a geyser. I mean, is there a way to get that big program back on track? Is there a way to manually shuffle a workaround so that more subject matter experts don't leave? Is there a way to at least make a list of all the projects going on in the organization and tie those projects to budget? You can do it on a whiteboard or a spreadsheet. You don't have to implement a complicated tool. Listen, it really does go a long way to do things quick and dirty the first time because you don't know the complicated portfolio management solution with advanced resource capabilities and other such things that you're going to need when you're just starting out. But if you put a solution in place that helps you at least understand what the requirements are going to be, you'll end up with a better solution later after you've really dug down and uncovered the root cause of some of those problems. So you do have to get to a point where you put some discipline and structure in place. But first, can you find a way to address some of those visible screaming pain points that your business leaders and stakeholders have in a more informal way and then come back and make it perfect later? At the beginning of all this, you kind of do need to be that firefighter putting out some fires. And I know it just makes us sick all the way down to our core when we see fires being started all over the organization and we're having to run around and put them out and we know there's a better way. But it's okay if you're doing it with an eye towards looking at how we solve the root cause of this problem and give them what they need later. First, just give them what they want. Now, mistake number two has a little bit more to do with what they want, but it's about how you have the conversations with them when you're going around and assessing the organization for impact opportunities. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. You aren't the one that should be figuring out all of the things that they want or need. You need to be asking them questions. And I go into this in further detail in episode 19 and episode 20. You just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash 019 or 020, or you just find those episodes by scrolling back on your favorite podcast player. So that will tell you more about how you assess the organization for impact opportunities and finding the places that you should be focusing your energy. When you ask these questions, you've got to be super careful how you respond to their answers because you might get what I call Thanksgiving eyes. Now, depending on what country you're from or what holidays you're familiar with, here in the U.S., Thanksgiving is a pretty popular holiday, and it is very well known for being the holiday that we stuff ourselves so full with more food than we could possibly reasonably digest. We get Thanksgiving eyes and say, yes, we'll eat that, and yes, we'll eat that, and oh, just put a little bit of that on my plate as well. And that can happen in your PMO conversations as well. And honestly, this is a mistake I made at one point in my career as well. I was inside an organization and doing all the right things to ask my business leaders questions about what they needed. And I did not ask them, what can the PMO do for you? I had them talk about their pain points. And then when they said, hey, this is my pain and this is what's frustrating me, I would say, yeah, we can solve that. 
And then I'd meet with the next business unit and I'd say, oh yeah, we can solve that. And then the next one and the next one. And before you know it, I'd been around 10 different business units and I said, yes, we can absolutely do that. And what I didn't do was say when or in what order or set any expectations about when they would see that service from our organization. And before I knew it, everyone was expecting the thing that I technically promised them to be done first. So each of those business units was thinking that their thing would be delivered first. And when it wasn't, they were pretty disappointed. And so I started having to work nonstop, put in long hours. And by the way, at that time, I was a single mom and I had to pretty much forget about having a personal life for the next six months because my team and I were heads down trying to deliver on all of the, yes, we can do that commitments I had unintentionally made for things people needed yesterday. So if you don't want to lose your sanity and you don't want to give up your personal life and you want to build credibility quickly, you've got to make sure you set expectations appropriately and don't say yes to everything all at once, even if you can do it, because your next step is going to be to go back to those stakeholders after you've done all that assessment work and let them help you prioritize what gets done in what order and lay that out on your roadmap. Another mistake, and I talked a little bit about this last week, we make the mistake of thinking that more training, more Googling, more inputs is actually better. When we're trying to set up a PMO or we're trying to solve one of those problems or figure out what services to focus on, we feel like the more inputs we gather, the better. I can remember going to one of those professional knowledge base kind of organizations and downloading everything they had on project management, PMOs. And then that wasn't enough. So then I Googled some more stuff and then I ordered some books. And frankly, it was just very overwhelming because what happens to you in that situation is that you have so much conflicting information from all of these different sources that you really don't know where to start. And you're going to end up completely overwhelmed and you might get completely stuck and not really clear on how to move forward or really know which advice is right. And you might start to question everything because how do you really know that all these people that say are experts online are really experts? What do they really know about setting up PMOs? I mean, there could be some experts out there that have run a couple of PMOs and then consider themselves experts on the subject. Or maybe they've done it for one organization. Or maybe they are giving you a bunch of theoretical advice and it's not based on actually having to live and breathe the real life stressful situations of building and running a PMO. Now, last week I talked about trying to Google your way to a PMO and the risks of doing so. That's episode number 97, if you want to check it out. And here's the problem. You won't know if what you're looking at is any good and how to reconcile the 46 different PMO types that the experts claim you should have. By the way, go check out episode 85, which is pmostrategies.com forward slash 085 to learn why I believe you shouldn't even typecast your PMO at all. But that's kind of the point. Where are you going to get your PMO advice? And you're here, so hopefully it's here. And thank goodness it is, because I'm going to tell you that less is really more. 
And you don't need tons and tons of training. You don't need tons and tons of searching for hours upon ends. You don't need 14 different books either because they're all going to set you on a different path and that's going to drive you crazy before you actually get any results. So instead, you want to find someone that can give you a step-by-step-by-step framework that pulls out all the fluff tells you to stop wasting time on the nonsense and gets you very much focused on exactly how to determine what you should build and then takes you step-by-step through building it. That's what you want to be looking for. So whether it's through my programs or through other programs that you find out there, just remember more is not more and you don't need a hundred different inputs from a hundred different sources to feel confident that you're focused on the right thing. In fact, you shouldn't use any external inputs when it comes to figuring out what your stakeholders need. That's right. Go back and listen to that assessment episode. You should be asking them, not the internet, what your stakeholders really need for your PMO to deliver. All right. Now, number four, the fourth mistake that I see people make is mistakenly measuring the PMO value to the organization using the wrong data points, the wrong numbers. What data are you using to report the value of your PMO? Are you counting up the number of projects you're managing, the steps in your process, the number of templates you created this quarter, the number of methodologies you support? Next week, I'm going to dive so much deeper into why it's important to measure the right things with your PMO and communicate PMO value and impact in a specific way. But for now, I just want you thinking about the other negative side effect of counting the wrong things. We're falsely believing that adding to the process is better. Instead of looking at how many new templates you can create or how many new steps in the process we can create, how can we look at ways to streamline and optimize and make things simpler? Do less. Make your people do less. Create an environment where everyone is doing less, not more. For example, have less meetings. Are there other ways to communicate information instead of having a lot of meetings? Can you create an internal website with status information? Can you send a brief email? Not one of those conversations that's gone back and forth 24 times and just says FYI on it. But I mean like a five bullets of here's where we are, what's going on. Can you use things like my one-page executive dashboard my members use inside the Impact Inner Circle membership program or my Impact Engine PMO students are using to give a one-page picture of what's going on? Can you do that instead of a meeting? And speaking of templates that are really streamlined, can you maybe not use so many darn templates? Because if you're spending two weeks to create the template, another two weeks for the first time it's being used on a project. And in that two weeks, you're writing, editing, reviewing, meeting to review again, meeting again and again, because somebody didn't show up the last time. And all of this time, you're working on something that's going to get looked at for maybe 15 seconds, or maybe not at all. Don't just create the document because somebody said we always create the document. You know how crazy that sounds, right? We've got to instead look at What is this template? What is this step in the process? What is this meeting I'm holding doing to move this project forward? What are you doing to accelerate impact? 
The only way you can accelerate impact is if you streamline, if you optimize, if you remove steps from the process. So every time you are scheduling a meeting, creating a new document, creating a template, writing an email, or spending any time creating stuff, ask yourself, is this going to move the project forward faster? Is this going to make someone's life easier? And is this going to drive action or a decision? And if it does, then it makes sense to do. And if it doesn't, maybe the way we help our stakeholders with what they want is that we also give them what they need, which is less to do in the first place. Okay, that's it for today's episode. I hope you found this valuable and giving you ways that you can really truly embrace the less is more mindset when it comes to delivering value with your PMO. Like I said, next week, we're going to talk about why it's so important to measure PMO value and some things to think about as you're doing so. Before we go, if you would like my help with taking you step by step by step through how to ask the right questions, what the right questions to ask, and who to ask those questions of, as well as all of the other game-changing steps that I teach my students inside my Impact Engine PMO framework, then join me for my free one-hour training to learn the game-changing steps you need to build your perfect PMO. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Have a fantastic day, a high impact week. And if you love what you're hearing, make sure you follow this podcast and download the episode so you have them with you anywhere you are, whenever you want to learn more about making a big impact. Bye-bye for now.